Pasty, what a wonderful time of year it is, this Valentine's week. Love is in the air. Such a wonderful, lucky, loving time. But it's not a lucky time if you're a pro wrestler, because if we learned anything in pro wrestling, it's that they are the most unlucky in love. That is definitely true, Fat Mac. Just look at the fact I think there's only been one successful wedding that's happened inside a wrestling ring. I, I can only think of one that actually went off without interruptions or somebody going into a cake or a fight or or Eric Bischoff ripping off a mask. or Who's that? Who's Eric Bischoff? You don't know who Eric Bischoff no. is? <laughs> who, who's the couple that lasted the trials of time? Why? That would have been Macho Man and Elizabeth. They were the only ones that had a successful wedding that actually started went through and ended, and by the end of it, everybody left happy, and there was no other shenanigans or, or horseplay or, or nothing. At the end of it, they went away married. So that the shenanigans and horseplay disqualifies Triple H and Stephanie? Because <laughs> there was that one storyline yeah. breakup they had. They, um, you know, the fact that he drugged her when he married her, I think just, that alone <laughs> is already a shenanigan. And they lasted the time. You know, that's, that's love right, <laughs> right? there. <laughs> Commitment. Commitment. Definitely um, definitely a rough place. Anybody that you hear any stories of, of wrestlers that brought their wives or girlfriends on the road with them or got hooked up in the wrestling world, I mean, nine times out of ten, they broke up, they died, or they ended up screwing another wrestler. Right. Wrestling is not the place to find love. Just ask Nancy Benoit. <laughs> Tis the season, friends. <laughs> yeah, stare at me. Stare at me, because you know what you did was wrong. Sounded like Angela Lansbury furiously typing away on a typewriter on Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> I thought all of a sudden you got an amazing idea and turned to your 1950s typewriter and busted it out real quick. Got a great idea for my story! <laughs> Fuck podcasting. I'm an internet journalist. With a typewriter. <laughs> Just gonna fax all my shit in. <laughs> it's got Bluetooth. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh. Well, Pacey, let's drop the dime on the folks that give us dollars. It's the season where you're with the one you love the most, you hold them close, and it just fits. But it just doesn't fit quite as well as qualities. Brought to you by Qualities T-Shirt Co. of Wilmer, Minnesota. Owned by my homie, Dat Dude Saint, who's bringing a wrestling event to Wilmer with the helps of our friends at AWF. It's good stuff. It's great. You want to hit them up on Facebook for all your T-Shirt inquiries. The wait tea sale is over, but the deals don't stop there. Great quality T-Shirts. We'll have some in our stock houses soon enough. And of course, you think of Valentine's Day, what do you think of? Hearts, blowjobs, and monster wear clothing. That's right, all your small run or bulk orders on decals, stickers, t-shirts, hoodies, hats, glassware, jerseys, and many other types and styles of fabrics. Along with custom graphics and local design services offered 
Monster Wear Clothing is your one-stop shop for all your branding needs. Hit them up on Facebook.com forward slash Monster Wear Clothing. My good friend Corey Matthews will take care of you. And you can take care of yourself in just 152 days at the event to end all events, the Cosmosis Imploding Galactic Get Down. Make sure to set your phasers to fun and prepare to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing in interstellar style at the 4th Annual Galactic Get Down. And folks, unlike the moon landing, this is actually happening. A three-day outer space themed music and camping festival located in the outskirts of Houston, Minnesota at the breathtaking Outback Ranch. Yes, folks, with two stages and no overlapping music, there's something for everyone at Galactic Get Down. The festival is family-friendly, and there are plenty of activities on site. The festival also provides a variety of artists painting and creating all weekend. There are independent food vendors to satisfy every craving you may have, and with craft and art vendors lining the paths, you will definitely find something to add to your collection of festival gear. And on February 14th, 2019, NASA intercepted a transmission emanating from somewhere deep in space. A coded series of blips and beeps transmitted on a loop. When translated, it appeared to be a series of words and names. They were just finally able to put it together, and folks, uh, the message reads, Zach Deputy, Zach Deputy, that one guy. Cass Haley, Heatbox, Frogleg, Smokin' Joe, Reed Grimm, Space Monkey Mafia, Mae Simpson, Big Zack's Hip Hop Showcase featuring Flow State, Lifted Minds, and Goop City, Gin Strings, Space Monster, Porky's Groove Machine, Earth to Clark, String Dingers, Spare Change Trio, Splimit, Undercover Orgasm, I know those are your favorite, The Missing Letters, Karate Chop, Silence, Hot Pink Hangover, Granola, High Rise, Whiskey for the Lady, and Mikey D. Wow. Yes, July 18th, starting at 7 p.m. through July 20th, ending at 12 p.m. Let's get weird! Tickets are available at galacticgetdown.com. Now, we do have to regretfully inform you that the early bird special has ended because you're no longer early. But admission to the greatest weekend of your life is still available and is still only $110. Folks, that is tax included. $110, solid, you're in. Don't be the suit that pays more at the gate. And as always, Galactic Get Town is brought to you by our good friends, Dead Larry, Seahorse Productions, and Vicarious Visions. Yes, yes. That $110 is worth every penny you're going to spend. And I think this year is possibly the most diverse lineup I've seen at a Galactic Get Down. And we've been all. Yeah, I mean, if if they haven't had something for everybody in the past, they, they definitely do this time around for sure. And because of the galactic get down coming so soon, Fat Mac finally went out and decided to bring back a little bit of a beer tasting to the show. 
And I got myself a Boulevard Brew Company Space Camper Cosmic IPA. Ooh. It's a juicy, hoppy blast, they say. Is that milk from the man tits you get from the, the hormones? That, um, yeah. Yeah, it is. Why not? Let's go with that. A little lighter than I like my IPAs. I like a little more kick of a hop. But this would actually be good at a festival because it feels, it feels, or at least it tastes like it would hydrate me more than other beers. But still at a 5.9% alcohol per volume isn't bad. Check out the uh, Boulevard Brewing Company Space Camper Cosmic IPA and enjoy. Oh, it's got to be good. Boulevard never lets you down. No, it is. It's very good. You can taste the hop. More of a summer drink. I think I'd be more into it during the summer, which is when you can go to the Galactic Get Down. But tonight, I'm going to enjoy it in here. Speaking of summer drinks, I'm currently sipping on lemonade mixed with coconut rum. Ooh, I like that. Yes. I like me some coconut rum and some lemonade. Take me away from all this snow. Heard you guys got a lot down there. Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's starting to pile up. Um, it's just been a little bit at a time, but it's been adding up because it's been so cold. None of it's melted. Yeah, we got just under a foot here with the last big fall. Nice layer of ice covering the roof. That's always the bitch. But what's even more of a bitch pasty is uh, our top story of the week. Yes, folks, we here at Beefsticks Podcast again have to regretfully inform you of another passing. They happen all too often, but, you know, there's a million and one great wrestlers and they can't all live forever. They can't all be immortal like Hulk Hogan. And with that, I have to tell you that WWE Hall of Famer and the first Triple Crown Champion in WWF history, Don Pedro Morales, passed away this past Tuesday at 76 years of age. Our deepest condolences to the family, the friends, and of course, his fans. Morales was a very decorated wrestler. A lot of a lot of the, the listeners might not recognize the name or might just maybe recognize the name but didn't get to see him in action or know much of him. He had a number of accolades to his name, which included his reigns as WWWF World Heavyweight Champion, WWF Champion, WWF Intercontinental Champion. And with that being said, he was recognized as WWF's first ever Triple Crown Champion. In addition to that, Morales was the first Latino to hold a major world championship in the United States, and he's the longest reigning, and this is combined days, not all at one time, WWWF champion and intercontinental champion, those two combined. Morales was inducted into the WWF Hall of Fame in 1995 and in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2015. We bid Don a farewell. Yeah. Man had some huge accolades. I am one of the ones who I've I've heard of him plenty of times in the past, but I never really went and watched his matches. Yeah, and you know, I think as sad, and it is, it's super sad when any superstar passes away. Of course, the younger, the, the, the sadder the circumstances. But one thing I think is great um, with YouTube and, and the WWE Network 
I think that when, when people hear about the passing of these guys and sometimes they haven't seen them or heard them, I know a lot of people that go out of their way to go and look and find a match or two or they'll look up at what the best match is. And, you know, even if they only watch one match after their passing, I think that helps keep their legacy alive. Yeah. And um, for as much as, as I can be critical about the WWE, I'm very thankful that they have the network to allow us to continue the legacy of so many, not only WWE wrestlers, but wrestlers who have never even been in the WWE or never had their names mentioned in the WWE, you can find on the network. So it, it's an amazing historical resource. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. I guess uh, WWE Network is also going to be pick, picking up WWE Confidential back, oh, from back, from in, back the day, in the, the 90s. That was always fun. I like WWE Confidential. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a good addition to the lineup. Something I'll actually watch. Yeah. Yeah, they're running out of things to, and new stuff to watch. I've noticed I go in there and I check their DVDs, you know, like the WWE DVD packages that they put out, and they've been adding those so much fewer and farther between. It's kind of sad. Well, they want to keep the DVD sales up because they get more money yeah, for it. Yeah, I know, way. but who, who buys material stuff? I think it's funny WWE even still makes DVDs. I know they just announced they're, they're making one for Mark Henry now. Well, if they didn't make DVDs, they couldn't make any movies because all their movies are straight to DVD. <laughs> well, I, mean, movies, I know what you mean compilations yeah, and collections as a wrestling yeah. product like why they don't dedicate all of that to the network uh, because like you said I mean it, it brings in a lot of revenue but one reason a lot of people don't do it anymore is because it costs a lot of money to make them if you want to make them good and WWE usually does make them good and nice and polished so yeah. I'd be willing to bet they lose money on a lot of the DVD collections that they put out but just like anything else you know, if nothing else, it advertises and it's a worthwhile loss. You can take a net loss on DVDs if you're bringing in, you know, million dollar deals from Saudi Arabia and Fox and USA. That's definitely true. I mean, I can understand a company being paranoid about throwing away too much money. But first up in the Savage Sentinel, it's not paranoia. It's an Usho in a penitentiary. The other one this time. Jimmy Uso was arrested in Detroit for disorderly conduct and obstruction. TMZ released the news that Naomi, wife of the Uso, was driving the wrong way on a one-way street, which will usually get you pulled over. And it did, because when police pulled them over, they stated that the car reeked of booze. So they had Naomi step out of the car. Jimmy got out of the car and, in natural everyday fashion, much like stepping into the ring, took off his jacket and shirt despite the officer's commands to remain in the vehicle. Jimmy did begin complying once an officer took out his taser. <laughs> That'll do Don't it. Don't tase me, Oos! <laughs> Will this affect the match between the Usos and Team Mizumak at Survivor Series? Or at Elimination Chamber? It's, I mean, it's all thing, the right? same thing. <laughs> They're all just a blur. WWE released a statement regarding the arrest, saying Jonathan Fatu is responsible for his own personal actions. So basically, they're hands off. Fuck it. It's going to happen. Come on, Oos. You ain't been down since day one-ish. Let's go. Down since. I think day three <laughs> or four. <laughs> been da- down since 5-0-ish. <laughs> they're they're going to have to win the beefy next year for best drinking. They might, they might have to. The Usos can't help but get in their own way. And WWE seems to always be willing to look the other way, but I, I feel like they can only do that so many times. What if this was Jay Uso and he just was like, <laughs> no, I'm Jimmy. It could have been. You don't know. You don't know. 
<laughs> He's like, Jay can't take another hit, but man, I'm clean. <laughs> right. Go ahead. They they did the twin magic. <laughs> like fucking like Jay rolled under the car and Jimmy rolled out from under the car as soon as they opened the door. <laughs> he just hangs out under the car that's why whenever he, they're driving around. That's why they road. that's why he got out before the officer came, because they had to switch real quick before the officer seen the inside of the car. Tag me in, bro, tag me in. Yeah, this is, I mean, we're, we're making joke, but this is sad. We don't know that either of them were intoxicated. Common sense tells me if she was driving the wrong way on a one-way street and the car reeked of booze, odds are that they probably were drinking one, if not the other. But um, it's sad. It's sad. It, Naomi and Jimmy are just both talented young superstars. They got, they just don't get in, just don't get in your own way. Quit it. Honestly. The sky's not the limit for them in WWE. They don't push them uh, to the level they should, or at least the Usos. But Naomi would feel the same way, and I could see that where that, where, where that would potentially drive somebody to drinking more. <laughs> I don't know. I think the Usos are consistently the top tag team. Yeah, right there. So at how the do they not push them the way they should? How, how much higher to, then can you get than the top? Come out dressed up like clowns and spray water. Well, at yeah, the New Day already has that. <laughs> they got that gimmick. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they just, it's its sad. You never like to see anybody's personal demons catch up. Who knows? Hopefully it's just a speed bump and, and their highway to success. I just know this time of the year in Detroit, I would not be taking off my coat and, and shirt outside. <laughs> yeah, no shit. No, it's, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. Right. <laughs> Another hint that he may have been drunk. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. When he blacks out, he just goes full gimmick. Yeah. That's that's my that's my thought process. I don't even think he chilled out because he took the taser out. I think he just realized how cold it was, and he's like, "Oh shit, man! Just hold on, I gotta get my jacket." Fuck! Oh, I'm too cold. What, what was going Fuck, on, I'm man? Cold. I gotta go sit in the. <laughs> you want to let me in the back seat of your car, bro? You guys have the heat on. <laughs> Come on, Oose. <laughs> Love it. Hmm. Undertaker's taking Undertaker's bookings under consideration. Yeah, it's a mouthful. Folks, last week we broke news that The Undertaker finally opted into Twitter, and his account has a booking email attached to it. Well, he already has a booking. Undertaker is slotted to be at StarCast 2 in Las Vegas, Nevada, the weekend of Double or Nothing. The dead man joins a whole host of who's who's alongside names like Sting, Bret Hart, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Jim Ross, Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard, and Tony Schiavone. And many more from wrestling promotions across the globe. Dave Meltzer did report that Undertaker's bookings are set at $25,000 per hour for appearance, but he isn't taking any bookings until the summer. Bummer. I do want to add that Ric Flair is also supposed to be scheduled to come to StarCast. He was scheduled last year and didn't make it due to uh, conflicts even though it was his son-in-law's major event. <laughs> but he swears he's going to be there this year. Uh, as far as The Undertaker, um, he may be taking bookings, but I doubt he'll be taking any bumps. Yeah. Man, do you, do you think 
wrestlers in the 80s just weren't keen on the wrestling terminology yet and were just confused. And that's why they were all rampant coke addicts. <laughs> like, like the promoter came on and was like, hey, do you take bumps? <laughs> and Warrior's like, uh... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know I needed to. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Ooh, my warriors into the cosmos with the rocket ship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. I mean, bumps were the big thing back then. You, you could easily confuse a person with that kind of terminology. <laughs> uh, yeah, this star cast too is, is awesome. I'm glad he's doing another one. Um, as, as everyone else who puts on a big event after the event, he swore he'd never do it again because of how much work it was. But obviously, with so much critical success, praise, and financial success, we all knew it was going to happen. Um, I'm just bummed that I'm not going to be able to make it this year again. Right. But, well, fuck, I had thought we would have a year um, before the second At one. some point, I'm going to have to start setting money aside. And honestly, at this point in my life, I think I'd rather set money aside for StarCast than to set money aside for, like, a big WWE event or something. Like, I'd really See, love to go here. I got my eye on that Jericho Cruz part, dude. Well, that would be very fun. But Cruz is a kind of a hit-or-miss thing, man. You right. sign up for Jericho Cruz and you get Fire Festival. It's like, ooh. <laughs> well, it didn't happen the first year. So I, I can assume it'll be good, better, probably, the second year. I don't know. I'm we'll sure it out. will be. I, I'm excited for that one, too. That would probably be that would be on my list of things that I would actually say. I'd rather do that for. than go to a mania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather do either one. Even if I was able to be in town for the full week, you know, I'd, yeah, give, give me the Jericho Cruise. Yeah, I'd do either one of them before mania. Mania is more about everything else going around before Mania than actual WrestleMania. As much of a letdown as Mania's been every year. And don't get me wrong, when you're there, I'm sure it is a million times better, just the experience. But even still, I'll spend my money elsewhere. But one place that uh, money is getting spent is from Nickelodeon to John Cena's wallet. Because, Pasty, it's announced that the man that you cannot see, you will be able to see on the reboot of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, which will be airing on Nickelodeon. And they promised that the show will feature a new format and the addition of a new cheat, even though um, John Cena doesn't cheat. He's all hustle, loyalty, respect, no cheating. Yeah. He won't let you cheat. I, I think I'm going to cheat. No, that's not an option. But it's <laughs> on the board. No. He just fucking whaps you with a steel chair. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that'd be awesome if one of the cheats was was Cena would just whap one of the kids with a steel chair. <laughs> and then he can't answer. No, good for Cena. Cena keeps making moves, and I love that he keeps making moves um, in the young market. Like Nickelodeon exclusively, it seems like. Yeah, other than uh, blockers. Um, he, yeah. He seems well, to really be uh, uh, on a Nickelodeon kick, which is good. I think it's great. But I'm talking for kids' movies, not for, like, or kids' Stuff. Yeah. His kids' marketing is pretty much Nickelodeon exclusive. Almost makes me wonder if he's going to own Nick one day. He's definitely, I, I think Nickelodeon is smart to want him to be the face of them for a while uh, because you couldn't have a cleaner guy as a face. I mean, he's not going to go out and pull a Jimmy Uso on you. Um, so I think I think they're smart for that. And I think John Cena is smart for hitching his horse to a, or his carriage to Nickelodeon's horse because Nickelodeon not only has such a strong tenure and has been around and is just is just woven into the lives of so many people. It's been around almost my entire life. It's been around your entire life. 
many competitors have come, Cartoon Network and Disney Channel, and some have been so much better. Both Disney Channel and Cartoon Network had their times that they were bigger, but as of right now, I think oh, yeah. as far as kids' networks go, I think Nickelodeon's the lead in the pack. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I, I feel like John Cena is a better fit for a game show host than Jeff Foxworthy ever was. So. Uh, Jeff's done a few game shows. I mean, to me, I, I don't like the concept of the show. So I've watched it and it's like, uh, yeah, it's funny. But I think it makes think more sense that it's on a kid's network now than on regular I agree. primetime I th- TV. I think it's better to be aimed at a younger audience and maybe mm-hmm. a family like the yeah. kids and their parents than it is for primetime CBS or whatever the fuck it was on. Well, Foxworthy's out. Rusev and Lana are out. Rana and Sonya are in. Apparently the new head over at E isn't a big fan of the Bulgarian brute and ravishing Russian as he has decided to remove the couple from the show. Stating they don't work well with the show's demographic and feel all in all too slapstick. Sonia Deville was announced to join the cast and rumor has it Ronda Rousey is also in consideration. Yeah, this is uh, whatever it is. I feel bad for poor Rusev and Lana. No matter where they are, no matter what they do, they're never going to be good enough. I do have to ask because I didn't notice it before you just said it here and I, and I didn't hear you say it. Which show might, might this be? Is this Total Divas or is this, which one it's is this? It's Total Divas. Okay. Yeah, I suppose I didn't say it all. Yeah. It was, impli- it was implied. <laughs> yeah, it was implied, and that's what I figured it was, but I know they got like three three shows that I know of, and there might be more, so I was Beach just Six like... Beach Podcast is an ARG you play along with every week. <laughs> yeah, you damn right. <laughs> We're um, just leaving the clues. Figure it out. Oh, yeah. And our good friend, uh, Jake Hager, formerly Jack Swagger, is actually already scheduled for his second MMA fight, Pacey. Hager's going to compete at Bellator 221 on May 11th at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. As for his opponent, eh, to be determined. They're keeping it a secret. It's going to be Brock Lesnar. He might take on the ever-elusive Vacant. <laughs> oh, no, that's just WWE. Bellator don't have that guy. Uh, he doesn't run rough shit in Bellator. Throw, throw <laughs> right? Punk. That would Let's be so sad. Right Punk would just... Oh, man, I could see him trying to take on Jake Hager. <laughs> God, that would be so sad. Um, no, it's good. It's good for good old Hager. He's doing good on the independence. He's, 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 you know, trying to do something in MMA, and at least he's sticking with it, and he's going, and he's... You know, he, he's doing what he wants to do. Um, he's another, uh, he's not a, a, a booming success story of life after WWE, but he's still a success story of life after WWE. Well, he's also still writing that story. For sure. He's got a long way to go in both his independent mm-hmm. and MMA career. For sure. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully he picks up another win, keeps going on, and build up a strong repertoire. Hey, what did you know? The Revival finally got one. Holy buckets. That surprises me. They're reviving themselves. And they defeated Bobby Roode and Chad Gable on Monday to win the Raw Tag Team Championships. On the Ross Report, Jim congratulated the team, saying, I was happy to see the Revival getting a little bit of recognition, get their hands up, become the new Tag Team Champions. I believe that as Ronda Rousey has raised awareness along with her teammates, I think some things can be done for Tag Team Wrestling in WWE. You can make it topical. You can make it timely. You create some stars. It's only a matter of seeing what WWE does with the Revivalist Tag Team Champions because they could just drop the ball. Yeah, uh, as happy as I am that the Revival has the championships, WWE has a history of and currently 
is burying and or doing nothing with the tag division. Hmm. And the horrible thing is, when when you're reading the news of this, the first thing that jumped out in my mind for no reason was, remember when WWE two months in a row called Bobby Roode Booby Roode? Yeah. And that, that's what I thought of. You got you got these amazing talents. You got Dash, Dawson, Bobby, Gable. And the thing that sticks out in my mind is when WWE spelled Bobby Roode's name wrong, which <laughs> is kind of shows you what they've done to push these guys. That right. That's the first thing I think of. Um, but, I, I, yeah. Honestly, the, the glorious theme song isn't even doing anything for Roode anymore. No, I, I didn't even know he still has it, but... <laughs> Um, I do. I will say this. Um, WWE, as I mentioned, has never been big on tag team wrestling. Vince will go in his spurts. You know, um, in the in the mid '80s, he had a small little spurt where he loved having a lot of tag teams. And nobody can deny in the uh, late '90s, tag teams were the, at the highest they were. But it was also at a time where the single stars were the highest they were because you had also not only did you have the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and Dudleys along with like APA and other teams. But they were competing for time against Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Mankind, Undertaker. So they still were never the staple. With WWE's track record, I hate to say this, but they probably should just not focus on tag teams, especially if AEW is allegedly... After the Jacksons came out in the press release (laughs) saying that they were going to push tag teams to the moon, just let them have that Yeah, they're going to pull that off better than WWE is going to anyway, so don't... Go, compete against them with what you're good at and don't push your cruiser weights over your tag teams. If that's, you know what you're going to yeah. do, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. And, and uh, one, what could be called cruiser weight as they, as they are just about to crown the first women's tag team. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh yeah. We're not doing the tag team thing. anymore. Um, but speaking of high flyers, Kofi Kingston pasty has cemented his legacy on Tuesday. He replaced Mustafa Ali in the, quote, last to enter gauntlet match. Which, for those of you who are like, last to enter gauntlet match, only one person can be the last to enter the gauntlet. No, it's a gauntlet match for who's going to enter the elimination chamber last is what it was. Yes, that's why I put quotes around last <laughs> yeah, to enter. Yeah, it's just a... It's just a Classic WWE that just made such a confusing tie, title. They fight last to be the last. Yep, they're just throwing everybody the into the ring. No, get in there before me. That's that that awful reverse <laughs> fucking reverse battle, battle royal. Yep, God. <laughs> um, but anyways, Kofi pinned Daniel Bryan, Jeff Hardy, and the Samoan Submission Machine Samoa Joe, and he competed in the match for over an hour. Pasty reminding fans once more just how great an athlete. Sir Kingston really is. Hopefully this showcase opened up some eyes backstage. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh pretty awesome for him. And once again I had to be like, "Oh yeah, it's uh it's February." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they tend to do that. They tend to uh yeah, you got Bobby and you got all of these folks know what we're implying. And I think it just seems that way. Maybe it's not, but WWE sure seems to paint that picture. Bobby Lashley's your IC champion. Our truth is your United States champion yep. this month, and it is a good moment for him. Like that's it's huge. It is. It's great to be able to. <laughs> uh, I mean, he did what Seth Rollins did in the last Gauntlet match that yep. happened, but it's a hell of a thing for you know, especially when it's Mustafa Ali who gets injured and you got to find a replacement, and you turn to Kofi. 
to me, that that says there's a lot of respect on the plate for him. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you could have thrown just about anybody in that match. It wouldn't matter because it's a gauntlet match. But instead, they gave Kofi Kingston what I believe to be Mustafa Ali's full match. And I wouldn't doubt if Kofi did it better than Mustafa could. He he, He definitely did it. It reminds me of Macho Man, who uh, you hear stories of a lot of times. It seems like he was kind of the guy, especially when he was kind of at the end of his WWF career when Vince didn't want him wrestling a whole lot and wanted him to be just an announcer. And then this person would get injured and this person would get suspended and this person would quit and he'd be like, Macho, we need to bring you in there. And Macho allegedly would just be like, you gotta bring in the old timer, show these young guys how to do the job. I got you, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Kofi today. He's just like, well, yeah, gotta bring in the old timer to show these young guys how to get it done. I got you. Book, book. Because I'm sure he said that after Vince told him. Book, right. book, book. <laughs> and, then, and then Ultimate Warrior breaks in. Read Hulk. Read. <laughs> if you don't know what that's about, make sure you check out our last episode. <laughs> we dived back into the bazaar with Lost in Translation. It was a good so fun time. So fun. Oh, I love it endlessly. Listen to that episode like five times, please. Do yourself the favor. For sure. Even just that segment, I'm telling you. And if you didn't know about that, then you probably didn't know about this. In a new segment, I'm calling. Oh, you didn't know? So, George Murdoch, a.k.a. Tyrus, but more famously known as the Funkasaurus, Brodus Clay, plays a correctional officer in hell in the second season of Preacher. Which, if you were wondering, is about ten times better than the first season, which was magnificent. Definitely on my my list of shows I want to get into. It's, uh... God, the way they're building the second season, how everything's constantly evolving and changing and like they're introducing new villains and shit. It it, uh, it feeds my soul to the point where I could say like, if this keeps going, I can be okay with Gotham ending. Right. That's about the power level where I'm at with it. Like, it, it's, Just remember, it's, it's only on season watch. two though. And you know what they do with good shows? What um, network is that on? Is that, that's US TBS? AMC. AMC. Okay. And it was one of the big mm-hmm. cable ones. You, you seem to get a little more stability from the cable networks than you do from from the, the network, the broadcast networks, I guess. Um, I feel at least a lot of times. God, and then I brought up Gotham, and Gotham fucking this last season is getting good. I'm just going to wait, since I already know it's the last season, and I know there's only, like, what, eight episodes or something. They're still introducing new fucking villains. Like, what the hell? You're supposed to be ending this stuff. And they're bringing in Bane I was talking now, to like, somebody whoa. else who uh, watches that and was telling me they're bringing in new villains. And I was like, God, you should... I mean, not going to tell them how to do their show, but maybe you should just focus on who you got right now and make a great ending instead of right. uh, putting too yeah. much in a... Right now we're six six episodes into the 10-episode season, and we're still building new things. Like, holy The classic uh, old-school wrestler phrase, trying to fit five tons of shit in a two-ton bag. It's like... I don't know, but my my plan is to just wait, wait till it's all released, and then... I'll get so mad if the last episode they are just like, cliffhanger. it's not savable, oh. and the government drops a bomb on, on, on Gotham, and that's it. Black screen finish. No, I just, um, I'm just going to wait till they're all released, and then I'm going to start over from season one and just watch it all the way through, and then have something to look forward to at the end with something I haven't seen before. That's what I'm going with. 
you know, with so much shit going on, it's hard for me to find time to watch TV, to find time to watch wrestling, like to find time to watch things. It seems really just difficult. That's why I'm loving podcasts right now, because at least I, I get time to do podcasts while I'm doing other stuff so I can listen right. to my podcasts because I'm just I'm not finding time to watch stuff. It's it's sad, but true. I mean, I guess so what it's you're good. saying is we need to make a podcast about other podcasts. Good. No, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think we both have a lot to talk about because we both listen to a lot and have a v- varied thing. But um, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I we could call I it podcast. Picky. The podcast. <laughs> Pod. I'm already working on it. I got a graphic in my mind. It's happening. Pod podcast cast. (laughs) (laughs) It's the podcast within a podcast. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I think, I think we would be unlucky and it could lead. That could be the one thing, Pacey, that would lead to our inevitable breakup. (laughs) It most definitely would. Uh, because, because if wrestling's taught us anything, it's that every, great couple every great group every great duo they break up pasty all good things come to an end at some point some way some fashion a wise man once said nothing gold lasts forever pony boy and that man was a woman (laughs) um se henton unless i'm making that name up no that sounds about right i think it's wrong but it's something also also wrote stay gold pony boy Stay gold. I know, right? And so <laughs> nothing yeah. stays gold. But, but you, stay gold. You stay yeah. that <laughs> Typical woman just can't make up her mind. But <laughs> I already started wiping my gold off and shit. <laughs> but since so many couples break up in wrestling, and since it just seems to be a staple of pro wrestling, and since this is the, the time of year, not just for love, but for heartbreak, I think there's more sadness in, in, around Valentine's Day than love, whether it's right, wrong, indifferent, or other. And historically. Good old St. Valentine's Day Massacre. That was a rough time. Pasty and I have accumulated a list as we, as we like to do. We like our lists around here. Sometimes. Some people do their top 11s and some people do top 8s. And, you know, we're, we're traditionalists and we like our top 10s. And so we got our top 10 wrestling breakups. So these are wrestling couples that made an impact in the lives of fans and then made an impact when they no longer were an item. And this can be shoot or this can be work. This can be IRL, or this can be kayfabe. This can be real life, or this can be pretend. Trying to figure out why my pussy's all wet. Yeah, well, Valentine's Day, man. Folks, the IRG has come to an end. (laughs) So with that, Pacey, let's start off with our number 10. Unlucky in Love Wrestling Breakup. Who could forget the iconic duo of Undertaker and Sarah, the woman he loved so much he rose from the dead multiple times to be back. It wasn't the urn. It was Sarah's heart. Sarah! He loved her so much he got her name tattooed on his neck and dragged his thumb across it weekly on television for the masses to appreciate the art that was his love for her. She was even included in WWE storyline with Diamond Dallas Page when he maliciously and viciously stalked her and showed up at their home much like Samoa Joe did to AJ Styles, but in a better fashion. 
one of my favorite American badass Undertaker storylines, and I know most don't agree with me there. One thing I do want to mention, Pasty, is that folks may not remember Sarah, the character on TV or nothing, but like you said, she was iconically tattooed on Undertaker's neck, was obvious when they had broken up, even if you didn't read the dirt sheets, when her name mysteriously vanished from his neck, which, by the way, getting a tattoo on your neck is is super painful. Getting a tattoo removed on your neck... Gosh, you really got to dislike the person for that. Yeah, yeah, it would be much easier just to get it covered up. And another thing I want to mention, with with Sarah's name being on Undertaker's neck for all those years when we sat and loved Undertaker, we all know that it was Sarah, S-A-R-A, without an H. (laughs) Because we all seen it every day. Definitely, it was a real-life issue. I know I I have heard why they split up, but um, I didn't put the research in before we talked about this, and I don't quite uh, remember what the deal is. Definitely made its way into storylines. Not one of the biggest ever, but one that people are going to remember, and one of the largest personalities in pro wrestling with Undertaker. Up next, we have Edge and Vicky Guerrero. That's right, coming in at number nine is everyone's favorite power couple. Excuse me! This was just fun. It was something. I think their relationship was fun, and I think their breakup was even better. The breakup was my favorite part. The breakup was good. Was it, uh... But you know me, I don't... I don't enthuse over Vicky Guerrero in any way. And I always did. Not that I enjoyed her, but I just... I enjoyed how much I disliked her. She wasn't somebody I disliked and didn't want to see. She's somebody that I disliked so much I looked forward to seeing her so she could get her comeuppance, which is, is to me, the, the perfect sign of a heel manager. It probably is, but to the point where it would make me want to change the channel. That's where I'm like, you know, there's there's that fine line, and she was too fucking obnoxious for me. And then, trip. I think, it wasn't it Triple H that had to show Edge the video, or Vicky the video, of Edge cheating on her with his with his makeup lady. Yep. Was that not at the wedding too? I think it was like right before right before the, the wedding when she was he was out there. Again, this is another classic pro wrestling wedding. He's out there in the ring, ready to get married, and she's backstage, and that was when Triple H showed her the the footage. I think it was fun. It was a good storyline. It's memorable. Very clear to see that Edge was just using her to stay at the top the whole time. Yeah. And she was blind to and that, it. That's a, a, it's a classic storyline. I mean, it's been done before, but I think I think those two did it well. Edge can play anything. They probably did it better than anybody else. I yeah, Edge can play any role you ask him to play. Yeah. And Vicky, I think, can only be an obnoxious heel. <sighs> I'm so glad she's gone. <laughs> Although I'm not glad about her next... Up and coming number that's number eight because it's great. Billy and Chuck. Billy and Chuck. I loved this stuff. I did. Yeah, this is. It was stupid. <laughs> it's so iconic that this happened while I really wasn't watching wrestling. And I remember this. That's how iconic this whole thing was. This is Vince McMahon in a fit of power rage. You and him look good together. You're going to tag team. Oh, you look really good together. You're going to wear the same matching shorts. Oh, you look really good together. You're going to (laughs) kiss. Hey, what do you guys think about getting married on on Raw? And nobody could ever forget 
I mean, the reason, if nothing else, the reason this is on the list is because the breakup is one of the best ever in WWE history. Not only did at the last second before they were announced that they were going to be married, not only did they back out and admit that they were faking it just to get a push on TV, but it was at that time that the the priest, who nobody, nobody could recognize as Eric Bischoff because they, they had one of the best Hollywood makeup artists do his makeup, pulled off oh, his mask, revealed it was Eric Bischoff, and then three-minute warning stormed the ring and squashed Billy and Chuck. That is just, that. that's one of the best breakup moments ever. <laughs> Unforgettable. God, I love their whole storyline, though. I, don't, I, I know a lot of people weren't for it, but it was so hokey and so much fun. And you knew, you knew they weren't gay the whole fucking right. time. I loved their outfits, I'll admit that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they had a good dynamic. They did play well off each other, but Vince would have had them legally marry each other if it was up to him. It was just a big funny joke to him, and he kept running with it and running with it and running with it. And there was no stopping it. And number seven on our list, Pasty, is maybe the second most iconic couple on this list. That's why they're at number seven. Because their breakup was pretty mundane. Otherwise, I think they would have got higher on the list. We have John Cena and Nikki Bella, the, the main male single wrestler who was dating the top female single wrestler at the time. Um, these two, they they dated for so long without actually being acknowledged on TV, but then on Total Divas, they would be all over all the storylines there. So WWE was kind of forced to acknowledge that they were together. Then Vince McMahon famously uh, got Cena to propose to Nikki Bella at WrestleMania. At fucking in WrestleMania. In exchange for a push. Which is just hilarious. And then shortly thereafter, they just announced on TMZ that they split up. It makes me wonder, you know, like, how much of their relationship was even real? Because the total Bella shit, they might not have even been together through that. They might not have. I mean, I think it was, uh, I think it was, and this is just me from someone on the outside looking in. I didn't know them at all and I have no knowledge, but I think it was a relationship of convenience. I mean, they probably both liked well, each other. Well, that's John Cena does. He's not looking for forever. He's not looking for marriage. He's not looking for kids. I think kids. it was just they were both hot people. If he wants kids, he can go start a game and, show on Nickelodeon. Yeah. They were both hot people, and they were both at the top of their business. So it was like, hey, why not? You know? Um, almost like the head cheerleader and the, the, the captain of the football team. They may not like each other, but they almost have to date. Which might be how Triple H and Stephanie McMahon's whole relationship <laughs> exists. That is true. Because they could never break up, right? Um, not, no, not at least not for Triple H. No, he's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> then coming in at number six, pasty. Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. The golden couple, if you will. Ooh, Yeah. Couldn't forget them. No, the the prowess of Randy Savage, both in front of the camera and behind the scenes, with his, his fear and his jealousy and his his possession of Miss Elizabeth, is just has been told throughout time. Um, I'm in the creed. <laughs> another great one. <laughs> Lost in translation, folks. Yeah, I mean, there's been stories how he would uh, lock Miss Elizabeth in a in a closet when he went out to to perform until he came back just to make sure none of the guys would mess with her. Uh, famously, both in the ring and out of the ring, he uh, was always yelling at Hulk Hogan, thinking Hogan was trying to get with Elizabeth. When they split up, um, allegedly, what brought what brought Hogan and Macho's 
friendship to an end was that um, Elizabeth was staying with Hogan and his wife at the time, and they were they were you know letting her stay there, and his Hogan's wife was, having threesomes and shit. <laughs> don't know about that, but you know you never know. <laughs> Bubba the Love Sponge's wife was in on it, so who knows? But yeah, they they did have the uh, the only successful um, wrestling wedding that I can think of. That one went on without a hitch. It was beautiful. It's one of the most iconic moments in WWF history, I think, at least in uh, WWF 80s history. And then such a tragic end. Of course, folks may not know when Randy left to go to WCW. Actually, let me go back a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna ramble on this longer than I should, but let me just say this: back when uh, storyline wise, Randy and Miss Elizabeth were supposed to be um, no longer with each other, and Randy was with Sensational Sherry. Randy went as far as to get a legal separation from Elizabeth. They were still married, and they still both loved each other, and there was nothing wrong outside of the wrestling world. But back then, kayfabe meant so much that he got a legal separation so that anybody who looked into it, the Dave Meltzers and uh, the the um, Court Bowers of the world, they, they would see that he was legally separated from her. That's how far he went. But then, after they did split up in real life and they were no longer together, when Macho went to WCW... He made sure Miss Elizabeth got to WCW. He made sure that she got paid better than most of male wrestlers. And from a lot of people's points, a lot of uh, Hogan has said it, Bischoff has said it, Russo has said it, Ric Flair has said it, that he would really fight for her to get good stories and to be taken care of. And like he looked out for her for the rest of her life, um, a life that tragically ended from overdosing in Lex Luger's garage. Lex Luger asked her if she could take a bump. <laughs> I love it. I love callbacks. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely one of the great wrestling couples with with uh, quite a breakup story. Yeah, very heartbreaking. I mean, goddamn. Our last year's Valentine's show, I know they were real high up, if not at the top of the list of they couples They were our top. In they wrestling. were our number one. Yes. And so we had to question for a minute, do we put them on this list? Do we not put them on this list? But yeah. Yeah, because I think every important story has an ending, and theirs deserve to be told. Yeah, yeah, the endings, some could argue, is more important. Or maybe that's maybe. a negative outlook. I like stories that never end. I like... Fuck you, Gotham. I like songs that never end. Oh, let's get into that. <laughs> no, let's not. Uh, coming in at number five, we've got Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. Yes, can you believe it? They made the list! WWE's IT couple. Two brothers in a van listening to Fozzie. And then a festival of friendship. They were a great team. They were an amazing team uh, for two single wrestlers who were thrown together who didn't know each other. God, did they have chemistry. To me, Kevin and Jericho's interactions felt more honest and true than Kevin and Sammy. Agreed. And you could make an argument for Kevin and Sammy on this list, but uh, Kevin and Jericho, I think, just made a bigger impact. Oh, yeah. Well, Kevin and Sammy will be loving each other and breaking up till the end of time. That's just, that's their story. Yeah, they're the dysfunctional couple. Give us another seven, eight years. They'll, they'll make this list. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the buildup with Kevin Owens as the Universal Champion needed somebody to watch his back, and Chris Jericho was the man to do it. Earn his place as Kevin Owens' best friend. And they have one of the most true and pure bromances in WWE history. Two tight-knit Canadians 
together like two maple leaves on a twig. And WWE did such a good job at booking this because everybody knew that this friendship, this partnership had to come to an end. And multiple times, Kevin Owens screwed over Chris Jericho and Chris Jericho got him back. And then the next week they were yeah, friends we again. Yeah, we kept thinking. They kept teasing us just enough. They would they would jiggle that bait in front of us, and right when we went to bite, they'd pull it away real quick. I uh-huh. loved it. They knew what they were I doing, like a, and they were doing I it well. I love a slow burn. Very much. And you you know Chris Jericho had a lot of say in that line of creative. It's just, it's the mastermind at work. Right. But then the Festival of Friendship. To prove to Kevin Owens that Chris Jericho was his most true and dear friend, Chris Jericho in Las Vegas where he will make his debut for another company coming up in May. Pulled out all the stops. He got dancers, a clown, Christ, the creation of Kevin. Yes. The painting. That was just awesome. I love it. It was beautiful. And Kevin hands Chris Jericho his one single gift. And Jericho opens that up. and He's, oh, you got me a new list. But why is my name on the list? And he slowly lifts the list out of the box and it says the list of Kevin Owens and he says oh shit and gets attacked <laughs> and it's just perfect power bomb the perfect finish like I was not considering putting any like side silly acts on this list except for Owens and Jericho and that was and I think that breakup is one of the just that moment is one of the best mm-hmm. actual breakup moments of a tag yeah. team in, in professional wrestling that that whole the whole run just shows the importance of timing in WWE creative. Yeah. Even even at that time you didn't see it much and to this day you don't see it very much. Doesn't happen very often and it won't happen for a very long time. Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho deserve their spot right in the middle of this list at number 5. Yeah, number 4, Alberto El Patron and Page. Talk about a dysfunctional oh couple. Holy shit. Probably the worst couple to ever get together in the history of wrestling, potentially. Um, yeah, other than uh, Chris and Nancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no matter what they did, it seemed like everybody was there to catch their worst moments, and maybe they had some good times, but we never saw any of it. And we saw more of Paige in this time span than we'd ever than seen. I think any of us would have asked <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, you, you know, I, I feel at least that they had to have had some great times um, because they really they seemed like the, the couple that burnt out really quickly. I think they had some great oh, times. Yeah. I think. I they, mean, and just look at Del Rio. I bet he's one of those guys that does the sex. good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He does the sex good. I mean, he's <laughs> that man. He's he's got the he's the patron. You know what I mean? The Pachismo, but that's what um, he calls yeah, it. not only was their their relationship tumultuous from the beginning, um, you just heard so much shit, and everybody talked about the age gap. The age gap didn't bother me, but no, I think that was the least of my concerns. But he too. kept, you know, he was on the outs with the company, and he was talking shit about the company while Paige was champion and was being heralded. And he disparaged the company, and then he would get Paige to say shit, allegedly. They'd get in fights, they'd break up, they'd get back together. They had multiple different police reports on them. Then they broke up, great, uh, you know, very rightfully so. And then Alberto El Patron was just so fucking... For him being the senior and her being the junior in that age gap, boy, did he act childish after their breakup. 
Yeah. Well, you know, he was the controlling one that was that was steering the relationship. That's that's how you know. Yeah. Because it's the one who acts out in the end. That was the one who was the problem to begin with. And it's a good thing Paige got away from him. I honestly, at this time, I honestly thought that Alberto El Patron was going to end Paige's WWE career. I did not think she was going to bounce back from it because she was at some pretty low points. Well, if not her life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it here, folks. Go back and listen in the archives. We've talked about it, how we feared for her life, her safety, her career, um, sanity. And moving on to another dysfunctional relationship. <laughs> Paul Salyuvakoi <laughs> and Joni Lauer. Some know him as Triple H in China. Boy, a couple of characters. In and out of the ring. Triple H uh, famously found China in the bodybuilding circuit. And uh, for his character, he thought it would be great. You know, every heel has that that bodyguard. Yeah. And she was going to be his bodyguard because it made him even more of a heel to have a woman fighting his fights for him. A woman like we had never really seen in pro wrestling before. And um, they soon had a relationship off screen as well as on screen. They were close, they were intimate, they were best of friends, lovers, everything. Within this time, though, as happens, Triple H got into a storyline with Stephanie McMahon, and him and Stephanie McMahon got together while he was with China. Seems to be a running thing. It does. He split up with China. China started dating X-Pac, Triple H's teammate, <laughs> on screen. <laughs> I'm going to pick his smallest friend. <laughs> and then went on... To be abused by X-Pac, a guy half her size. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh because it's not all that funny. Um, but yeah, domestic abuse is funny never funny, but the whole, it's a very strange world that this couple created. I see her coming after, or see him coming after her with a, like a giant cartoon mallet. Right? <laughs> yeah, this was just a really weird, and then and then it got really ugly afterwards. Um, yeah, Triple H at the very beginning had some very negative things to say, and then uh, as he learned politics, he's been pretty hush about it since then. China went on to be very derogatory with WWE, uh, going as far as to making a WWE themed porn where you can see a mean Gene lookalike fuck China in the ass, folks. It's on the internet if you need proof. Um, that's one of those ones I never dug after. Proof for. <laughs> I'll take it for what you know, it's China fine. isn't nothing to look at, but the fucking mean gene guy is amazing. <laughs> amazing. I want more mean gene in my porn. Mean gene. Okerlund <laughs> this this motherfucker was not average gene. Oakland. Okay. Pasty. <laughs> let me tell you that right now. <laughs> and I happen to know the average gene. Oakland is a legume. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. I don't often go back and listen to our own shows because that's just super vain. But man, I've went back and re-listened to both of our um, Lost in Translation segments, and they just—I oh, yeah. I know what's coming. We knew it was coming before we read them, and it's just hilarious. Um, oh, it's even better if you're reading along with it while it's being done because you can see it coming and you know where the hits are going to be. It's. But yeah, Triple H, it's a, it's a Triple H in China, definitely an iconic couple, definitely a very devastating and impactful breakup to the point that people still debate whether China will actually ever be in the Hall of Fame or not. I honestly believe she definitely will. I think it's coming within the next handful of years, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, super impactful. Eventually, they're not going to have a reason not to put her in. Who else we got? 
Well, we're down to China and Sunny. Let's put in that guy that played Mean Gene in the porn. Put him in the celebrity wing. <laughs> I want to see him in the celebrity wing. Hey, Fat Mac, what's Sonny's favorite drink? What? 7-Up and Cider. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's better than Grease on Olivia Newton-John? Huh. Come on, Eileen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we just went to Dad Joke City there for a second, both we of did. us. We did. Um, up next, speaking of dad <laughs> jokes, this is a hell of a joke on this poor dad. We have the uh, the angle that wasn't just an angle in the ring, but was an angle in real life. Yeah, how can something be an angle in real life? Well, Kurt Angle and Karen Angle. What a story this was, pasty. Oh, God. I, uh was only like around for the tail end of this. So the story goes, folks, we got the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. Uh he marries he marries his his now wife, then wife Karen Angle. I believe they were like sweethearts for a while. I don't know about high school sweethearts, but they were married before he went to WWE anyways. <clears throat> went into WWE. In fact, there were talks about bringing her in as an on-air character in WWE, which never did end up happening. But for reasons, apparently. apparently. But as most everybody listening to this knows, Kurt Angle had his demons through his time in WWE. He had his ups, but he definitely had his downs. And while he was dealing with those demons, he ended up being let go from WWE at a time where he was one of their top guys. I mean, top two yeah. guys, and they let him go. That's when you know it's bad. Um, him and Jeff Hardy share that same story. And he went to TNA. Came in much fanfare. <laughs> Jeff Hardy show. Yeah, yeah, right. Came in with much fanfare. Uh, a success story there. TNA used to stand for totally not analyzing your urine. <laughs> I would argue that Kurt Angle had his best matches in TNA, and I, I think it's a, it's an easy argument to make. But during that time, Karen ended up fucking the co-owner of TNA, Jeff Jarrett, and leaving Kurt for Jeff. She slapped his nuts? She, he slapped his nuts on her, I'll tell you what. <laughs> he was making the old slap nut. She 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 did the, the bag of wine thing, like Yep, yep. And then and then went for the spout. <laughs> and um and, and it and it, f- it was so unprofessional of an owner of a company to sleep with one of his employees' wives, so unprofessional and so bad that the man got kicked out of his own company. He was not allowed in the building. People were no longer allowed to email him or or report to him. It went from one day he was their boss to the next day you are not allowed to contact him. They, They ended up bringing it up later on. Jeff came back and actually had a really great angle, excuse the pun, between Kurt and Jeff with Karen uh, to the point where they were both super professional. But if you hear uh, interviews from backstage, folks were so worried when they had the uh, no DQ match. People thought Kurt was going to go out there and kill Jeff. I could definitely see it. You got to think what that does to a man. I mean, you're going through this. She's with him. And you not only do you deal with that in your everyday life, but you go to work and that's the main focus of your job. Your kids are living in that guy's house. And Jeff Jarrett, I love him as a performer. People people are split on him, but I love him as a performer. And he's a great athlete. He could definitely whoop my ass. But I don't think anybody's going to doubt that there's very few people on this earth. If Kurt Angle wanted to take you out in a fight, he's going to take you out. Oh, yeah, for sure. The man can do it. You, you, if you get in the ring with him and he wants to own you. You'd be lucky walking out with a broken ankle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
But to his credit, he was super professional at that point. And to this day, apparently, um, Karen and Jeff and Kurt and his current wife are actually really good friends. They share custody of the kids. Um, everything's been kind of smoothed over. But this was one of the couples that the breakup affected both real life and storyline so much that it had to be towards the top of this list. I mean, the, the fact that you have somebody kicked out of his own company that he created, the only other people I can think of is Ted Turner and the men's warehouse man. Remember the men's warehouse guy? Oh yeah, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. And they showed him the door and he did not like the way it looked. So Pasty, before we move on to our number one spot, I had an honorable mention. It's a, it's a story that I kind of remembered just the other day. It popped up out of nowhere. Um, there might have been a reason for it. Maybe not. It popped up out of nowhere. And I knew this was coming. And I was like, you know what? How do I weave this in here other than just throwing it in randomly? And I was like, you know, this could be a good honorable mention for wrestling breakups. It's not so much a breakup. Not even so much a couple. It's not even so much wrestling. <laughs> I don't know why we're talking about it. You know, this one time I went out and I went out and mowed the grass. And I, and I stepped on, and I stepped on a pine cone, and man, did that thing hurt. So on to the number one. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, folks. So story goes, back in the, uh, God, this had to be late 80s. Jake Roberts, Rick Rude, they were in a program together. I think most people would remember it's probably one of Rick Rude's greatest angles that he had. Him and Warrior and him and Jake the Snake. Um, Rude would come out with Jake's wife's face spray painted on the crotch of his pants. Dude had a lot of great angles. Oh, man. I'd go gay for Rick Rude. That motherfucker was (laughs) built. So anyways, Rick Rude back at this time would have a segment where he would bring in women from the audience, bring them into the ring, and give them a, quote, rude awakening, and he'd just make out with them. That was his gimmick. The women loved him, and it was a good way to get heat on um, the men in the audience. And, of course, this is pro wrestling, so the women in the audience were plants. They were they were ferns and... Yeah, they were cactuses. Uh, hibiscus trees. You got a cactus and kissed it. But. No, they were, they were put in, the, in, in there and, and, you know, they found the women, put them in a spot, told Rude who to pick, that kind of stuff, paid the women. They're basically hookers, I guess. <laughs> so the story goes, one night, Jake and Rick are in the back and, and Jake uh, happened to bring along his traveling companion. Jake was married at the time. But he had a woman that traveled around with him to take care of the uh, marital duties when his wife wasn't around, if you will. And uh, Rick Rude was like, she's the one getting the rude awakening tonight. And Jake's like, nah, man. And Rick's like, yeah, she's going to get the rude awakening tonight. Look at her. She's perfect. Jake's like, all right. Sounds good. The woman didn't want to do it. So that night beforehand, a little before the show's getting to their segment, allegedly she gives Jake the old uh, swallow number five, if you will. She's <laughs> sucking him off backstage, giving him a good one, you know, making his snake happy. She spits out his load into a gimmick. Some say it was a condom. Some say it was a small little uh, shot glass. Whatever. It's wrestling. Could have been anything. She takes it with her out there, sits in her seat. Rick Rude comes out, does his thing, picks her. Before she comes out there, she throws that Jake Roberts cum in her mouth, goes up in the (laughs) ring, gives Rude the kiss, and Rude just kind of looks at her and she says, that's from Jake. (laughs) Uh, Not so much a breakup, but I felt like it was a love story that had to be told. 
<laughs> and it's yeah. one of those, it's a great story, but I don't hear it a lot. It's not one of those that makes the rounds a lot. I don't know if you'd ever heard yeah, it's this. my first time, or not, maybe not my first time, second time hearing that, I'll say. Yeah, just a fun story. That's that's one dedicated bra. <laughs> Good little matter. Most rash. women don't like to swallow once. Right? She'll drink that shit twice. What was the number one breakup for our unlucky in love 2019, Pasty? Well, the number one slot has to go to version one, Matt Hardy and Lita. Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Lita all kind of came in around the same time. The Hardy boys came in a little bit earlier. You know, they were North Carolina guys. Lita was a Canadian who uh, traveled down to Mexico to be trained in wrestling and came to New York. Go figure. I don't follow that either. She came shortly after, and... um, they, they all had a similar style. They were the young, new face of WWE. They were coming up. Uh, they got thrown in a storyline together as Team Extreme because back in the mid-90s, being extreme was the coolest thing, especially if you didn't put an E in front of extreme and just started with an X. Oh, yeah, the X. So they were Team Extreme, and as you know, wrestling does, traveling together, seeing everybody every day, going through what you go through. Matt Hardy and Lita started a relationship together and uh, got really, really close, really, really in love. And uh, Matt Hardy ended up being out with an injury. He had a wild style. He got hurt. He was out with an injury. So Lita kept going, traveling on the road while Matt was recuperating. Um, Lita had become really good friends with Jeff Hardy. And uh, they were all good friends. Apparently, Matt, Jeff... um, and uh, uh, Edge and Christian were all really good friends. And um, Well, I mean, yeah, you'd have to be pretty close with the people you're putting on the most amazing tag team matches in history. Right. And apparently, I guess maybe because Matt and Jeff were so close, Lita just really became really good friends with Adam Coppola, uh, Edge. And so they would travel together, and Lita or Edge even asked Matt, hey, is it cool? She wants to ride with us. She doesn't want to ride with the other women or some weird guys or whatever. And Matt's like, yeah, that's cool, man. I'd rather she ride with you than some guy who's going to skis on her. (laughs) Little did he know, traveling up and down the road every day, being lonely. Of course, Edge and Lita ended up getting together, hooking up. And Matt Hardy came back pissed. There's a couple different stories of what actually happened, but whatever did completely transpire, it was enough that Matt Hardy got released and Edge stayed on. Matt Hardy was, at the time, um, making very disparaging comments on the new thing called the internet back then. And uh, in the Dirt Sheet magazines, he was talking shit about Lita and Edge. He called Lita a whore. He was just really using some vulgar language and being really pissed. As you would, you would assume. Right, yeah. WWF didn't like it. They fired Matt. They really got bad. Uh, He ended up getting into drugs, got to a low point in his life. At some point, though, he got sober enough, and WWF seen a good spot in a storyline that they brought Matt Hardy back just to put him in a storyline with Edge and Lita and Matt version 1.0, I don't know what he was. Pay him to relive the whole thing over again. <laughs> yeah, this was another one where people were really worried what would happen when they got in the ring together. But by all accounts, um, in the ring, they were very professional. Out of the ring, they just avoided each other and didn't talk. This ended up leading to uh, probably one of the best gimmicks 
of the late of the early 2000s and maybe one of the best gimmicks of Edge's career as the rated R superstar. Mm-hmm. Having sex in the and, ring. And yeah, they had a live sex show in the middle of the ring on WWE. Kids, you might not believe this, but this literally happened. And long before there was such super access to internet porn, so many uh, young kids got to see a little titty action when Amy popped out. <laughs> yep. In the middle of the ring, Lita was literally naked underneath there and she popped out. Uh, apparently Lita hated the angle and hated the live sex show edge apparently had no problem with it of course <laughs> apparently at that point matt hardy didn't have any problem with it time went on edge is married now to somebody else lead is married now to somebody else matt hardy is married to rebby sky and they all seem very happy and there seems to be no ill will towards each other at that point but like you said pasty this was this was the first huge um, at least in our generation, yours and my generation, the first yeah. huge real-life couple that became an on-screen couple that had a real-life breakup that had an on-screen breakup where the adulterer was also involved. I, I made a really sexy thing sound very scientific right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Uh, Top 10 wrestling breakups. Yeah, and something I found out looking into this, in order to prove that she was over Edge, Lita went on to date CM Punk, who allegedly began his relationship with AJ while he and Lita were still together. It serves her right. You know, it makes me wonder, because the way like wrestlers go with wrestlers, did women in wrestling potentially start out back in the day as, as like prostitutes paid to go on the road to keep the guys company? And then they wanted something to do, <laughs> so they became card girls. And then they wanted more to do, so they became women's wrestlers. And it's just evolved into this genetic breeding that we've discussed before on Beefsticks Podcast. <laughs> Good old ring rats. But Pacey, we got to move it along. We're, uh, we're dragging yes, our we feet do. a little bit. Let's get into the weekly elite dirt sheet. That's right. Everybody's new favorite segment. We're going to kick it off with some all facts. Because they're the most important part, right? So, we all know about Double or Nothing. It's coming up. Tickets went on sale Wednesday morning and completely sold out in four minutes. As well as that, the 2000 pre-sale tickets released on Monday sold out in just 25 minutes, which isn't that great. But it may have been faster if the pre-sale code sent out when they were scheduled to at noon. People got them between noon and three o'clock i think was about the time span hey, 25 minutes is amazing for a sellout it's just seeing seeing it took 25 minutes to get those 2000 pre-sale tickets i was i didn't have high hopes for it at all and so i was mind blown noon at wednesday when like immediately after tickets went on sale they were sold out and then chris jericho dropped his podcast like yeah we just sold out in four minutes and now i'm gonna talk to tony khan and it was a good episode i didn't put it in anything in here so no, it is a good one and that. i it's recommend just, it I got a, I got a lot of faith in the man now. But yeah, that's that's amazing. Something not amazing is Ray Phoenix took a sick cutter at an AAW live event last Friday and was stretchered out of the building. It was later reported that Phoenix suffered a muscle contusion and would only have to take it easy for a few days. But that kind of shit's scary. It is very scary, especially with everything going on for he them. He has right announced now. that he's not going to miss any scheduled dates, but um, and we hope he doesn't. But yeah, anything can come from that. Maybe he should be careful. <laughs> you don't want Ray Phoenix to become the next Ray Mysterio. Um, I mean, you do, yeah, but not, but not body wise. 
Yeah, but seriously, like he is on his way to being one of the best. Oh yeah, ever. he easily could, but he doesn't want to. Don't burn that candle too bright, so you burn it out. And after performing with a fairly damaged meniscus the last few matches in Ring of Honor with and New Japan Pro Wrestling, Cody finally underwent surgery on his knee earlier this week. It went well with no complications, and Cody is scheduled for a match at Double or Nothing, and even claimed in a tweet that he had three options on the table when a fan asked questions about last week's segment by the Nightmare family. Yeah, I, I hope everything goes good with him. He's a cornerstone. He has to be at Double or uh, Nothing. We want to make sure he's that not he's there. We want him to... He's not going to be closing. That's... <laughs> oh, okay, pasty. The center stone. Is that like the center square? Isn't that the he's favorite square, though? Squares? That is. I mean, that I is. guess he is like the guy... That that's the guy in the company. He kind of is. That could be good. Could be sad. I love it. I think he's got a yeah. great business brain. He's not my favorite performer in the group. In fact, out of what you would call the 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 four, yeah, the four vice presidents, um, he's probably my least right, favorite. Right, but he's the most the group, suited for the position of vice president for sure. I guess we'll see. None of them have any. Uh, I just think he's got experience. the brain for it. If he's got, if he's got dusty, yeah, if he's got a a, a sliver. Of Dusty's and business it seems acumen, like he does. he's be got doing all right. fucking charisma. <sighs> he's mm. got balls, if nothing else. The man's not afraid to excuse the pun. Go all in. Doop doop. Well. Speaking of AEW yet, the facts, we got one more fact, and it is announced that Double or Nothing Pasty is going to feature a triple threat with Britt Baker. Nyla Rose and Kylie yes. Ray. This is going to be really, really, I, really good. I like this better than the thought of like uh, Kylie Ray versus Nyla Rose. I'd much rather right. have this be a triple threat. I think it makes things a little bit more level and it's going to be good. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be Fantastic. And I think that uh, Dr. Britt Baker is uh, is a great uh-huh. get for the company. And she is going to – she's going to be uh, a main name. Um, the only the only question to me – and it doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. But the only question to me is, is Britt Baker going to bring Adam Cole to All Elite? Or is Adam Cole going to bring Britt Baker to Adam WWE? I think going to All Elite. I think... I think he knows if he hit the main roster, there'd be he'd be Dolph Ziggler. I I fear for him on the main roster, and I think he could definitely be a world champion in and All I mean, Elite. Can you, if if Vince approaches well, you in in NXT and says, "Hey, I, you're going to the main roster," can you say no? Well, I mean, you can always tell your boss you're not going to do what he tells you to do. But if you have a contract, you're going to be in breach of your contract. So, I mean, that's no, I mean, as his boss, he, he has to do it. He has to perform on what uh, shows Vince tells him to perform on. And I mean, Triple H has been public about saying he would like to not let some wrestlers go to the main roster because he knows they're not going to be used right. But right, he doesn't yeah, have Vince the wants that it's happening. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's your boss. If your boss at work says, today you're not working in this department, you're working in that department, you have the right to say you're no, still gonna wind but up there. you're probably <laughs> going to go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're either going to end up being there or you're going to go home and not get paid. 
But Pacey, what can be even more fun than the facts is the That's innuendo. Right. And we got all the innuendo. Yes, yes. Dave Batista is the newest name on the slate of speculation. That's a new B6 coin term because we've used it two weeks in a row. It's my own personal list. As Chris Jericho tweets a photo of the two mammals together. You know, the beast and the goat. Or not the beast, the animal. Animal! Wasn't he the animal? And the goat. Yeah. And the lion. Well, he's peeking out behind them in the picture. (laughs) He's there too. He's there. (laughs) <laughs> he's there it's funny Long how the lion much. became a goat like that's kind of downsizing but okay <laughs> is, that a, is that a dig on, yeah. on Chris Jericho because he used to be the, the, the lion tamer uh, yeah there you go the lion heart. And now he's a farm animal well before he was just the heart of a lion now he's a whole goat <laughs> I mean I guess, that's gotta yeah, say yeah. something right I mean, come on. We've all played Goat Simulator. You can do a lot with a fucking goat. That's a very fun and stupid uh, game. Yes, yes. Yes, Batista. Um, you know what? This would be this would be so fitting. WWE has snubbed him so many times, and he is probably he would be the only other big name um attached to AEW at least at this time. There's Chris Jericho and Dave Batista. I don't think there's anybody else that uh, people outside of wrestling, even um, casual wrestling fans would yeah. even know. I wouldn't want Dave there for long. Maybe Cody Rhodes. I think he he could be good in a main event um, pitcher, and he could even be good holding the, yeah, the title yeah, for a little while. I think you give him while, a decent title. But not right away. He loses it and tries to get it back and then kind of goes on his way. Because I think long-term Batista and AEW could only damage the product. But that's just me. I don't like Drax. I, I've never been a big... I've never been a big Dave Batista the wrestler fan. So, um, for that for that reason, I'd say yes. Um, I agree with you, personally. I don't think he yeah. fits the mold. But I think if he's one of the few, mm-hmm. I think it's okay to have one or two of them in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and if it came down to as long as if it came down to All Elite getting Batista or Brock Lesnar on that kind of capacity where it's you know just a a, a, a nice stint but it ends timely, I think I'd rather have Batista than Lesnar. I'd like having Batista there to to elevate talent. If Batista's going to be there and hold down somebody like Penta El Cero M, yeah, then I'm I don't not think cool that would happen it, but... at All Elite, but. We don't know. We have nothing to gauge off of as of right now. It's all so speculation. Innuendo. Yeah, it's also been reported that Batista was at WWE headquarters to discuss his future with the company. We know that he was pushing for a WrestleMania match with Triple H back on the thousandth episode of SmackDown, but since tearing his pectoral muscle at Crown Jewel, it's unclear whether or not Paul will be cleared to wrestle by Mania. With his past in WWE, MMA, and Hollywood, the animal could be a huge asset to a fledgling company like All Elite. But the question is, beyond the accolades, yada yada, I'm going to get rid of that. Yeah, Yeah, so we just went through it. (laughs) Bully Ray made a bold claim this week on Busted Open Radio that All Elite Wrestling is the Facebook of professional wrestling. 
It has the coolness factor behind it, and Double or Nothing selling out in just four minutes adds to that exponentially. Those were not his exact words, but that is me paraphrasing his statement. He did say that they're the Facebook of pro wrestling. But even probably more of an impactful claim was Chris Jericho, who released a promo congratulating AEW on their sellout, and then went on to take all of the credit, claiming that he single-handedly sold 12,000 tickets in four minutes, and that he is the only name to make the company credible. Uh, this, this was a really good look at the character that Jericho could be portraying in the company to come, and uh, I love basically, it. I love it. It's great. I could just see Chris Jericho running around screaming in his high-pitched voice, trying to sell 12,000 tickets in four minutes by hand. That'd <laughs> be good shit. Oh, should we move on to Elimination yeah, Chamber picks? Uh, Pre-show, which isn't going to count towards our tally, but we're still going to make our picks. Cruiserweight Championships on the line. Murph Dirt, Buddy Murphy. Is taking on Tozoa Kiritazawa. Yes, indeed. Uh, I went against Murphy last time and picked Tozawa. I don't think I'm making that same mistake again. I am Team Murph Machine. Um, and I just, I think Tozawa deserves something sometime. And, um... I think that I think he could he could get it this time. I said that last I time. I would love to see. I was disappointed. I, know, I feel bad I know. for you for picking that. I one thing one thing I kind of hope going forward is that they uh especially with allegedly there's going to be a live action remake coming out pretty soon. If they took Akira Tozawa's character and and changed it to an Akira sort of gimmick from the old uh, '80s anime Akira. With, with, the, with the giant the, blob and the you know, rape scene, the bikers. Yeah, yeah. The first anime I ever watched, which is also mm. the first anime uh, Xavier Woods has ever watched. First, first anime. It's the first anime that got me into anime. I don't know if it was the first one I ever actually watched, but it is definitely what got me hooked on anime. I never knew. I never knew what a world there was in anime, and then I watched Akira. I'm going to say Akira. <laughs> Go ahead. You're, you're white. You can say it. <laughs> and I had no idea what was going on the whole time, except for his sister was getting raped and there was motorcycles. <laughs> and then it got really weird and he turned into a blob and kept growing. And you were like a lot. You were like a lot of kids who seen it for the first time. Holy yeah, shit. There's yeah, exactly. Tits. Like there's boobs. Nobody told me there could be tits in a cartoon. <laughs> I need to watch more of this kind Why of cartoon. Why did the blockbuster guy stop <laughs> us from getting this? Right. Uh, moving on to the main card. We've got a recently christened no DQ match. Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. Um, I will say the no DQ on paper favors Strowman, but no DQ in general can mean that anything could <laughs> yeah. happen so the underdog can still win. I think that's why they put that in there. I want people to 
go into here questioning whether Strowman's going to win it, but I think we all know Strowman's going to yeah, win it. Yeah, I'm on the page of Strowman winning it. It's, it's no DQ, him versus Corbin. They've had this feud going on for far longer than it needs to. Far longer. Baron Corbin does not. I love slow burns and I love long storylines. Corbin does not need to be the center of anybody's long term. No, at least not in this capacity. There's better people. I enjoy Corbin from time to time. I liked him more before he cut his hair and became Constable Corbin. Yeah, but he's better in spurts. I think he's better in like he's he's better as a flavoring, Uh, not as a meal. The guy who comes out with a fucking kick from out of nowhere in a match he's not part of cashes in and becomes the the universal champion has a short run but an effective run yeah yeah um next we have the smackdown tag team championship miz and mac taking on the usos um what's the um there's a there's an official name for them isn't there uh maybe not greatest tag team in the world I don't know that there's an official name, I but I also haven't is, been watching the weekly, so. Oh, I haven't either. I just seen when I was reading up on some things, I seen some, maybe somebody else made their own little names like we do. Um, I, I, What do you got here, Pacey? Uh, you know, I thought it before it happened and even more so now that it did happen. I think, I think uh, even though WWE says that, that Uso's, decisions or uh, shit affects his own life. I think it's going to affect business too. And I, I I think Miz and Mac are going to keep their championships somehow. I hope it's a good match. I just, I hope it's not stupid. Not not being champions does affect his own life. So his, his actions could affect his own life. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie to the folks listening. I had originally picked the Usos, and after news <laughs> dropped of the arrest, I'm like, you know what? I'm probably safer <laughs> yeah. off picking Miz and Mac, because if I'm WWE, this is... I hate to judge both of them as one person, but I'm going to do that. This is strike two. <laughs> Honestly, too, I think the for the longest team. time, SmackDown, while it hasn't been the best, has been the dominant tag team division. And at this point... I think it would be okay for them to rest on their laurels on the SmackDown tag division and kind of give more shine to the raw tag division. Great. So if the championship sat on Miz and Mac through mania, maybe past mania, I don't see it going past mania, but I'd be okay with it. I'd be even better if they broke up, if the Usos won and they broke up, but I yeah, sticking, sticking with Miz and Mac on this one. I could see it leading to a Miz Shane McMahon yeah, match. Yeah, I've been saying that for quite a while. <clears throat> yeah. Then we have the Raw Women's Championship. Um, this is probably the match I'm most looking forward to. Two of my favorite female wrestlers on yes. the roster right now. Uh, two very different styles. Very different styles that seem to work well together. So far. Um. I love Ruby Wright. I still think that she has such a bright future in the company. WWE's proved me wrong time and time again on that, but I do believe she has such a bright future in the company. With that being said, though, um, Ronda's the golden goose right now, and I think they want her to lay How those golden eggs. How much would that fuck up all WrestleMania plans if Ruby Riot took the championship? It would make like things Becky's interesting, like, baby. Uh, can I get Asuka instead? <laughs> 
You know what's funny, though, Pasty, as you mentioned that, is that um, long-term, one, two, three years down the road, if AEW starts making waves and is actually uh, picking up money, picking up wrestlers, picking up ratings, WWE is going to be forced to no longer take the uh, lazy route with, uh, hey, we signed Ronda Rousey. Hey, Ronda Rousey's going to do this, this, and this. And they got to start doing things like Ruby Riot. We're, we're going to start pushing her and see what happens when we let some some wild card take off and, and let her do her own thing. Let's see. What does Ruby want to do? Let her do her own promo. Where does she want to take things? They're going to be forced to do that shit again like they did uh-huh, in the uh, late 90s. But they'll do it with Marie instead of Ruby. You know what? If uh, if it works, I don't care who you do it with. Nobody thought the ringmaster was going to be amazing. To be honest, I, I thought stunning Steve Austin yeah, was going to be amazing, but I didn't think when he came in as the ringmaster. And that turned out to be one of the best Joker's uh, cards. So I got... Right? It, it honestly is one of uh, my favorite. Wow, my favorite, since we actually. dived into that just yesterday, ICP dropped. Did we really dive into it, or did we just slightly <laughs> wade past it? I mean, you're diving into it now. We well, slightly I'm waited this past way. it. <laughs> <laughs> me go ahead and dive in, my friend. ICP. <laughs> I'm going this way now. I love it. I love it. <laughs> ICP released their new album, Fearless Fred Fury, which is the fourth Joker's card of the second deck. And I... I'm analyzed listening to it, so I'm listening to it like a couple songs here and there, but I'm actually sitting down and listening to it. And I'm about halfway through the album so far, and I gotta say, this is probably their best album since Jekyll Brothers. Like, wow. big props to them. They're they're back to being themselves. They took two years on this album, and I think it really shows. And if you get a chance to listen to it, if any of you listening are old juggalos that left because it got all shitty and we like fuck all that shit like me it got all political this album out it sounds good it feels like the clowns it feels like they love making music again so give it a shot just on a one-off it might strike you right With that being said, who's your picture of Ronda Rousey? Champion? <laughs> no, no doubt about there it. There we go. <laughs> Fearless fucking Freddy. God, let her give Ruby uh, Riot the match of a lifetime, though. Like, push Ruby to her absolute limits before the finish. I want to see a very strong showcase. Yeah. I want to see her more over than Rousey at the end of this match. Yeah. This could make Ruby, depending on how they do it. And she, Ruby hey, has the, the ability. Love God, the Riot Squad um, needs to Let's stay see out. how good... Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, for for the most part, maybe at the end if it makes sense, maybe. But I would love to see it just a, a solo thing where where Ruby just show, showcases herself for sure. Because she is, I mean, she's she's what's going to come out of the Riot Squad. Um, Sarah Logan, I, I I would love to see something happen with her, but I, I feel Vince mm-hmm. doesn't see anything in her. Um, Liv Morgan, uh, she's always going to have a spot no matter what, but it's never going to be a main spot. So yeah, Ruby's I love it definitely though. I, the last pay-per-view the we just got rough. Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor. And Finn Balor was like, it, it's the greatest opportunity to, to lose. You could possibly have. And now the next pay-per-view we're getting Ronda Rousey yep. versus Ruby riot, which is 
could be equivalent to the female component of that match? I would love it. I would love it. Next, we have the Intercontinental Championship Handicap Match Pasty. This (laughs) is going to see the champion, Bobby Lashley, along with his hype man, Leo Rush, taking on the aforementioned Finn Balor. Yeah. This happened out of somewhere. (laughs) Um... Yep. I don't know much. I know that the odds are against Finn, but I also know Finn probably impressed a lot of people backstage against Brock Lesnar. So I'm 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 gonna go out on the limb and I'm gonna say Finn walks away from this. The Intercontinental Champion. Sorry, Lashley, we know Vince and February's almost over. Yeah. Um don't know what the storyline is. Um, I don't know what the storyline is, but um, I, I'm going to see. I think Bobby Lashley goes. Uh, I love that they gave Bobby Lashley the championship, even if it is just for the month. I don't know. But he, he he's great. Uh, he could be a great world champion, but that's not where he's set up for at this per- time. But as an intercontinental champion, he's definitely a workhorse. Finn Balor is a workhorse also. I, I would be okay if Bobby stayed in the IC title pitcher and Finn moved up to the, uh, well, moved up. He just had a match. Right. I don't know where they put him, but he could stay in the, the world slash universal division. heavyweight. Yeah, I don't want to see that. But, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Bobby. Um, it's a uh, handicap match. Finn, it doesn't Ballard, hurt Ballard to lose. And um, <laughs> yeah, we, don't, we don't get hype. We Finn hype. <laughs> uh, I'm just always with, with Bobby Lashley. We don't get demon. We stay demon. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be a good match though too. I I think it could. This is the the probably the, only the second, the only other match that I'm actually looking forward to seeing. Um, elimination chambers, just in general, are just. <sighs> They just don't leave enough room for people to do enough stuff. Um, I liked the very first one. It was fun. It was a keen idea. Um, The thing that super killed Elimination Chambers for me was when I got the Elimination Chamber DVD. And sat down and watched all of them. And I was like, yeah. And I sat down and watched. And yeah, after the third one, I was like, (laughs) I'm watching the exact same fucking match over and over, and nothing's happened in any of the fucking matches, and it's just kind of like they broke it's Royal Rumble in a glass. cage. They broke a lot of bulletproof glass. Yeah, it's it's not a bad match. Um, I think this is another one where I wish every other year they would do it. I wish. This year they'd have a women's. Next year they'd have a men's. Yeah. Next year they'd have a women's. Two, even it's obviously not going to be two in a row, but two on the same card. You're going to be sick of the second one. You just are. Uh, I mean, at least this year it's it's tag teams and then singles. I guess tag I teams know, are worse though, man, because there's even more <sighs> bodies in there. But speaking of elimination chambers and speaking of tag teams and speaking of the women, we got the women's tag team championship elimination chamber match with more names than you can. But we're gonna try. 
Start shaking, right. Pacey. Start we shaking because Nia I'm going to start speaking. Versus the Riot Squad. Versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Versus the Iconics. Versus Sasha Banks and Bailey. Versus Naomi and Carmella. Can you tell how many of those teams are two people's names and not a team name? Because this is what your women's tag division looks like. There is two tag yeah, teams. Yeah, other in this than. Match. Um, uh, oh, no, yeah. there's but they three, don't have a cool but Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Absolution. Yeah, I, I wish they wouldn't have took their name away. They still could be right. Absolution without Paige. So I wish they wouldn't have took it away. But yeah, there's there's three tag teams, and there's six other women that were thrown together <laughs> because they need them. Which, I guess if you're looking at this um, from a numbers point of view, really gives you a better idea there's you would think there's only three teams that could win. You would hope, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that, that was fucking <laughs> silent. I'm just trying to get <laughs> I was some, like, wow. Like, Naomi and Carmella walking out the first women's tag team champion. I mean, to me, I, I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be one of yeah. the three tag teams that is the first and not still not the first, but the first, because they want it to be the first, even though it's been done multiple times. WWE's women tag team champion. Um, so you're guessing it's Riot Squad, Rosen Deville, or the Iconics. And Pacey, I think um out of this group, nobody We've deserves been saying it this more. For fucking what, half a year now, at least? Shit, yeah. The, the, tag, the tag team titles were made for the Iconics, and with their heel personas, them being the inaugural, quote-unquote, <laughs> WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, would just, they will just own this. The 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 promos that they can pull out from this is, is going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah uh, they're going to be, they're going to be great tag team champions. They'll run the division. I, I'm sure they're going to hold the titles for quite a while, too, because they're good at the sly tactics. I would love him to. Does oh, that yeah, mean that's yeah, what you're going with also? So with that being said, Pacey, I, I don't know. Neither <laughs> neither one of us are watching WWE regularly on a weekly basis. Have they mentioned how they're going to go through with this one set of tag team titles? Are they going to yeah, defend on both shows? Is it going to be? Okay, yep. it is. They've, they've mentioned that. Maybe they should do that with the men's okay, division good. too, huh? Just knock it down to one set of titles. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? I, I would agree. One set of men's tag team championships and one set of women's. I'm okay with that. I I mean, I, I personally would just prefer one set all around. We, we've well, I mean, mentioned they're trying to push before. that intergender That's wrestling what I prefer. stuff. And so I'm like, why are you bringing in new women's championships then? Because if you're going to have intergender matches, shouldn't shouldn't there just be one set of titles for everybody to compete for? It'll be interesting where that goes, in all honesty. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that, especially with them going yeah. to Fox. Um, Fox has been a more liberal company in the past, but they're also on a broadcast network as opposed to a cable network, and it's like, how far? Yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting. Um, Men's Elimination Chamber Singles WWE Championship um, this one, we do know that Randy Orton is going to enter last yes. because he he was the last one to enter the gauntlet and match. And the first one to win. Wasn't that how that worked? 
Um, but the match is the new Daniel Bryan defending his title against AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, Kofi Kingston, and of course, Randy Orton entering last. Yes. I'm excited this? for this. I mean, I know it's Elimination Chamber and it can be hokey, but I think you're going to get a lot of the hokey shit out of the way with the Women's Tag Team Championships. Like, that's going to be... The Iconics are going to be the ones to find a way to keep their fucking cage shut longer. And, you know, that that's all that corner right. shit will play out there. And I think with this cast of people, I think you can have a really good match. I would maybe like it better if you didn't have Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy. I'd maybe like it better if they weren't confined to a cage. If you could get rid of, if you could get rid of Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy, and get rid of the cage and just have a three-way I'm, I'm match saying, between those three man, guys, it's it's Elimination Chamber. Daniel Bryan's got this new championship. Why the fuck didn't they just do a Punjabi Prison match? At least that's sustainable. <laughs> uh, I, like I would have loved that. I would have been all over that motherfucker. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think um I think you're definitely gonna see some good spots. I think Kofi Kingston is gonna fit pretty well inside that chamber. He's a, he's a small dude, he'll fit in well. You think you think Jeff Hardy does it. the thing he did in the Hell in a Cell match where he goes up and swings and then falls on his face? Only time will tell. We we haven't had anybody actually scale the the inside. One of those of the two will do it. Jeff or Kofi, of, it's happening. Of the elimination chamber, I don't think has done that yet. I would love to see them both Leg go wrestle. up there and uh, <laughs> chicken fight it. All uh, yeah, yeah. All uh, um X um um the ultimate I was X American Gladiator. What okay. you see in TNA? I'm a little more old school well, than you. Ultimate X is more entertaining. Twenty five, motherfucker. TNA was in 2002. The last, uh, the last American Gladiator. Yeah, but I'm talking about the ones I watched when I was a kid when it was real. Okay, Pyro and Nitro. (laughs) That was fun shit. I went back and watched some of those on uh, YouTube, and they're (laughs) fucking hard to watch. Most things. I used to love the so dinosaurs f- when I was a child. I cannot do that. Oh show god, that one's hard to watch. Minutes. I'm like, Whoa. two. Yeah, yeah. Two minutes in, and you're just like, God, this was a horrible fucking show. Not I used fun to be at all. The fucking TV every Friday night. TGIF. Yes. <laughs> not the baby. Not the mama. I'm the baby. Gotta yep, love no, me. It doesn't work. Uh, I'm glad you feel that way too, because people seem to have this nostalgic love for it, and I've been like, no, it's it's a really I loved it too when it was first out. I loved it too, and I've went back and watched it, and I'm so glad I didn't. I thought about buying the DVD set when it came out, and I didn't, and then I've gone back and watched it, and it's like, oh my I wanna, god, I want to see somebody on, make a realistic Netflix, one or the other of the show where the T Rex comes home from work to find his family is a bunch of herbivores and just eats them all. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, so who do you got? King Deebs. I just, you wouldn't go through the King effort Deebs. to make that championship to get rid of it right away. I would love the idea of Samoa Joe winning. I love the idea of Samoa Joe winning. 
No, I agree. I think I think Samoa. If it's not Daniel Bryan, I would love to see Samoa Joe win. Um, yeah, his t- you would hope his time has to come pretty soon. But I think right now they're doing something with the new Daniel Bryan. I think um, I think the title change should happen at WrestleMania. I think he should have a title defense at WrestleMania. So especially since if we all know Daniel Bryan. He's going to have a career-threatening injury shortly after WrestleMania, so let him let him get this one in. Let him get this one in. Show history, up Tuesday after history Mania. shows he doesn't have Guys, <laughs> Everybody's already chanting, thank you, Daniel, because they know what's happening. <laughs> right? They just already know. Uh, so I'm going Daniel Bryan. Now, Pasty, out of this whole pay-per-view... You and I have only one match that we did that we have different picks on that can be counted, and that would be our uh, Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush versus Finn Balor match. <laughs> now we made the mistake we're not gonna we're not gonna go over the results in New Japan New Beginnings that we talked about last week, but I will post them on Facebook as soon as we're done recording this. Um, but that ended up in a tie because we forgot <laughs> to put a tiebreaker in, and by we I mean Fat Mac. Um, for that one, I think I am going to go with Pasty White, and I'm going to call it a. I'm going to call oh, Pasty yeah. getting the win because I'll call the tiebreaker that I did not set up the tie that that I initiated. But going forward, you and I are both on the line I for setting you. up the tiebreaker. There's no more Fat you. Mac. But with that being said, I got you, and our tiebreaker this time is if Daniel Bryan isn't the winner. God, nope, I had a good one, but that doesn't work. That only works if Daniel Bryan isn't the winner. I was going to say, what, what, which one is he eliminated out of the five eliminations? But if he wins, that still wouldn't work for a tiebreaker. I'd say tiebreaker, see what I was thinking before I called well, I it out one. in the first place, was tiebreaker could be which Elimination Chamber match is going to have somebody who stays in their cell for longer than they're supposed to. But I know it's going to be the women's, and I think you know that. I think everybody listening knows that, so I yeah. don't think that's even a factor. Um, oh, how about this? How about this? You you brought it up earlier. Um, how about does the Riot Squad interfere with the Rouse women's okay. match? I'll take no, if that's okay with you. Okay. I'll take yes. So, Riot Squad interfere in title match. Got to be specific in case in case they interfere <laughs> well, in the elimination, the elimination chamber, chamber match, match or something. Uh, you know, um, I know yeah. that's why I have to be specific because I, I don't want oh, you being like. Well, I guess I get like the win, but like <laughs> they interfered, they they wrestled, um, but I'd still get the win because I'm going to say yes. So Pasty says no. I think you got the I good chance yes. there too. Well, hopefully it doesn't come down to it. Hopefully Lashley just We're wins the IC title Lashley. anyways. No, I mean, I, I hope oh, that, that I just win yeah. it and we don't have to worry about it. Because the only way that we're going to come up with a tiebreaker since we've picked everything except the one is if something well, happens like a non-finish <laughs> on that one. Don't. <laughs> I guess you could. It doesn't matter either way. One, something's going to... Something's gonna push us one way or the other, but yeah, we're we're banking on the the Lashley Balor match to be the uh, the deciding factor. 
Because again, folks, in case you don't follow us every single week, the tiebreaker is only in effect if there is a tie. So nobody gets extra points for the Riot Squad interfering unless we have a tie. And then of course, come down the pre-show does not matter. You know what does matter? It never has and it never will. What matters? What's that? Is that you, the listeners, have made it this far. This is the part of the show where we would like to expose ourselves to you. And tell you to check out facebook.com forward slash beefsticks podcast to keep up. Some good content comes out. You don't want to miss it. You can also find us on Twitter at beefstickscsb, on Instagram at beefstickspodcast, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Fuck, check us out on YouTube. We're there too. We got some videos from the old days. We might be coming back with that soon. Yes, and if you feel like you want to drop us a line, send us an email at beefstickspodcast at gmail.com. Tell us your opinions. Let us know what kind of games you'd like. Let us know your picks for upcoming pay-per-views. Or just tell Pasty how he's yeah, wrong. Fat Max that, right. Because that, 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 that's always the case. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Speaking of games, I do believe uh, next week or the week after we might be coming at you with a brand new game from the mind of the Mac himself. We got a couple games swimming around up here, man. I'm a game player. That's why I don't have any real relationship with women's because I play games. But uh, that's good for you, the listeners. Just not so good for my personal relationships. Well, if you're a drifter and you move from town to town, I think you'd be just fine. Oh, I mean, I'm not saying it affects my love life. I'm saying it only affects my personal relationships. Non-relationship status, I'm doing all right. Don't worry. Thanks for tuning in. Happy belated Valentine's to you and yours. We hope that you were more lucky in love than our top 10 wrestling breakups. I'd say it's pretty easy to be more lucky than them. From Cloudstyle Broadcasting... This has been Beefsteaks Podcast. My name is Pasty White. And I am Fat Mac. And we'll catch you next week.